That intro never gets old. Welcome to Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie. I'm Sharon Reed filling in for the good doctor today. And our extraordinary co-host is Jackson White, YouTube channel, Politics of Paper, Rebel HQ, extraordinaire. Uh, welcome to the show. Looking forward to your commentary, Jackson. And it's we good to have, be here. Good to have you. We have to start, though. Um, well, for me, it's on a down note because, and for so many who, who love him, and he is one of the most iconic, now was one of the most iconic talk show hosts in history. Jerry Springer has died. The bombastic tabloid talk show host, one of them never pick up a microphone, special. TMZ confirming Jerry Springer's died. He hosted the smash hit syndicated talk show, The Jerry Springer Show, for 27 years. And it was never a boring moment on the raucous and wild show, which was known for its outrageous guest, who usually got into crazy fights that we'd be talking about that afternoon. And the audience cheered throughout, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Family spokesperson says Jerry Springer was battling a brief illness. TMZ sources say it was pancreatic cancer that was diagnosed a few months ago. And this week, he took a turn for the worse. Spokesperson saying he died Thursday morning peacefully at his home in the Chicago area. Before TV, Jerry was a politician who ran a failed campaign for US Congress. That was in 1970, got elected to Cincinnati City Council in 71, and became the city's mayor in 1977. He served one term. But Springer became a worldwide sensation with his show which debuted in 1991. Most people won't remember this, but when the Jerry Springer show started, it focused on political issues. But it didn't take long. Eventually, it became the exact opposite, rating smash as well. Jerry's show was so popular in the late 90s, it even topped Oprah Winfrey in several cities. Springer finally went off the air in 2018 he made one more run, though, in TV with his courtroom show, Judge Jerry, which ran for three seasons. His last television appearance is one you might remember. Last season on The Masked Singer, where he performed as the Beatle, singing a Frank Sinatra classic. TMZ was told his cancer battle got much worse about a month ago. And he finally had to stop working. He had been hosting a folk music show on a local radio station in Cincinnati. Jerry Springer is survived by his daughter, Kate Springer, and his older sister, Evelyn. I make no bones about it, Jackson. I love tabloid. I just do. Um, it's entertaining. It, it's made me happy over the years. It gives me something to do. At least it did in the afternoons. And I'm going to miss Jerry, even though these were the episodes that he rightly said and acknowledged were tacky and <laughs> yeah. fun. And that's, he just embraced it. And I think that's what I liked about him. He didn't put on airs and try to say his life work was something other than what it was. Yeah. And I think uh, Jerry Springer, um, you know, just uh, to look back in hindsight is a really interesting example of how you never really know which direction your life can go. 
And not only that, but um, to always be open and willing, not necessarily just to pursue new things, but to continue to believe that there's more for you to do um, and that there's more for you to contribute. Now, obviously, there's a lot of people, perhaps rightfully so, who would criticize the type of things that Jerry had on the show, um, you know, but in a lot of ways, Jerry Springer, uh, the Jerry Springer show revolutionized and changed television uh, and led to a lot of reality TV. Well, it kind of started a little bit before that, but he really enhanced it because I was born in 92. So, you know, like I grew up and I remember, Me just you know what I'm saying? Later. Yeah, I, I remember, you know what I'm saying, like uh-huh. growing up, yeah. uh, you know what I'm saying, just what Jerry Springer was all about. And then getting older when you have, an, you know, kind of enough um, yeah. awareness to be like, oh, he was a mayor, too. Like, oh, but, um, you know, again, I think in terms of for me, it's definitely interesting, especially as an entrepreneur to just, you know, people like Jerry kind of just show that there's always a direction you can take. You know, so and people are always going to have an opinion about it, but it's your life to live. It's your life to live. And he he seemed to me like somebody who didn't owe anybody an explanation. But again, he would always step forward and be self-deprecating. And I think I particularly loved his work. By the way, I was looking at a clip before we came on and in it, two women fighting over a man. And I think Jerry said something like, how about a twerk off? You know, like, see who gets him. So that's who he was. (laughs) But I love the fact that he was also a former, you know, news anchor who didn't take himself too seriously. And that's like my chip on the shoulder. I had to work with so many people for so long who just they put on that voice and they didn't know a bit more than you, me, anyone. (laughs) But they, you know, pretended they Mm -hmm. did. That wasn't Jerry. He's just going to give it to you straight and own mistakes, fun, whatever it is. What is his legacy? Because you're talking about a show that had an incredible run, beat Oprah, as we said, during stretches in some cities. I don't know what that says about Jerry or perhaps what it says about our appetite for more of this, but what do you think his legacy is? Uh, Again, I think uh, his legacy will be, especially like as a couple of years go by, you know, and people can look back and kind of take it all in. I think that people will remember him as someone who greatly assisted in shaping modern television and modern entertainment. You know, there's pros and cons to that, just like with anything else. And again, I think that when people study his life, they'll be able to pick apart that he's just an interesting character. And I think, as you pointed out, not only did he not take himself too seriously, but I think that that kind of helped him to live a life that he was just open, you know, he was he was just open to new things. So, but above all, I think that when people kind of look at him as a staple on society, they'll obviously remember him for his show, but as somebody who was just kind of a cool dude at the same time. Yeah, cool dude. Um, and we wish his family the best. We're thinking about them today. Jerry Springer, one of, one of the greatest to ever do what he did. Um, and then we turn to this guy, okay? <laughs> He's alive still, Tucker Carlson, okay? Bad-mouthing Fox leaders. That is the reporting that led to his firing. They about to tick me off, okay? But we'll get into that. Bad-mouthing executives led to your firing after everything you did? But never mind that. I'll give you the facts first. According to a report by the Wall Street Journal, ex-Fox News host Tucker Carlson was fired 
in part because of comments he made in private about his Fox News colleagues and bosses. Now, you see that there? I'm gonna try to hold the commentary until the end, okay? Wall Street Journal, which like Fox is owned by billionaire conservative media mogul Rupert Murdoch, reported this week that the explicit content of Carlson's text messages, some of which had been redacted in the Dominion court documents, became known internally to senior Fox management and played a role in his ouster. Okay. Multiple reports have surfaced this week suggesting in one of the redacted messages, Carlson referred to a senior female Fox News executive as the C word. Journal reported on Tuesday that when Fox's lawyers were fighting the Dominion suit, they told Carlson they had successfully convinced a judge to keep those messages redacted. But Carlson was not impressed and told colleagues he wanted the world to know what he thought of Fox management. However, CNN writer Oliver Darcy has other theories behind the firing. Perhaps it was related to ex-producer Abby Grossberg's lawsuit against the network which alleged rampant sexism and anti-Semitic behavior behind the scenes at Carlson's show, or perhaps Rupert Murdoch and his chief executive son, Lachlan, wanted to send a message about who is ultimately in command at the company after having been embarrassed for months with the public airing of Fox's dirty laundry. Darcy continues, one veteran TV news executive told me that they believe the decision came down to a straightforward calculation by the Murdochs risk versus reward. There's a lot of drama and intrigue, but this is always about managing risk versus reward, the person said. I know that's not very exciting, but it's how these decisions get made at the highest level. The executive added, a wane of the negatives and risk to the business versus the positives or benefits. And if you're the Murdochs, it's easy to say how holding on to Carlson comes with much more risk than reward. Carlson is not a team player and in fact is uncontrollable, carries legal baggage, and the Murdochs are trying to put an end to the legal disputes they find themselves in. He regularly births negative news cycles about the network that tarnish the brand. Fox News is desperate to emerge from the cloud of negative press it has been the subject of. Meanwhile, mainstream advertisers have stayed far away from Carlson's show, which is far too toxic to associate with. Some of that has a ring of truth to me, that long, long list of reporting there. And some of it sounds like BS, Jackson, okay? This yeah. Wall Street yeah. Journal is Rupert's paper, okay? And I don't believe for a second that Tucker Carlson using that filthy word, that, that word about Tuesday is why they fired him, okay? That's not why. It probably did boil down to risk reward. He was becoming too big for the network. And when you're a billionaire, all billionaires are bullies, sorry. And I love you, Robert Smith, but if you're a billionaire, you got I mean, this is what you do. Some are mini, I call Robert Smith. He's gotta be one, but anyway. <laughs> Rupert Murdoch is a bully and a billionaire and anybody who gets too big for the brand, they gotta go. Am I wrong? Um. Well, I think that uh, especially from that list of, uh, you know, grievances that put the most realistic one that I saw was the legal baggage. Um, you know, $787 million to a media network for any network, unless you're like one of the largest banks in the country, that's that's not an easy fine. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it's easy for banks to pay something like that because they got so much money running through them and they invest and what have you. Um, but Tucker Carlson is the biggest and by far and away, like you were saying, he basically kind of was the face of the network. And because of that, with all of the Dominion issues and just pretty much anything that Fox News could have a finger pointed at them for, whether it be misinformation, whether it be uh, racism, everything that Fox News has been doing, Republican propaganda, whatever, Tucker Carlson is the face of that. So as pointed out, you know, just kind of weighing the risk and reward, getting rid of Tucker and just realizing that actually people, especially Americans, have a very short uh, memory and attention span. As the months pile on, uh, Fox News will remain a Republican propaganda outlet and likely yeah. people will continue to watch it just as much as they ever have because what else are they going to watch? Right. And if Tucker was brown, and he cost the network $78 and 70 cents. He did, okay, that, that would have been a wrap. You notice the, the one black woman on Fox keeps her mouth shut, okay? Yeah. If she costs them a paperclip, you're out of here, okay? But I just find it rich that members of the mainstream press have been drinking in this ridiculous reporting um, from some of the Rupert Murdoch-owned papers, and they floated at other places too, and said, no, Tucker Carlson is a, he should come with a warning label for all people everywhere. He's done so much damage. He's, I believe, incited violence, racism, misogyny. He's gross. That's just what he did over the airways. He knew the tally light was on. And you dare float this nonsense that well, we read his private messages that were just too explosive and sexual. And we said, you gotta go. <laughs> and then you have members of the media, they're eating it up. Well, and did you see what he said about Suzanne Scott? I mean, he said it Tuesday. Get out of here. I just think it's so insulting to those of us who, I don't know, are, are classified as an other, even though we're really in the majority, that you float this and other people eat it up. Am I making it too personal? Because it's just how I feel, Jackson. Well, I mean, uh, you're on to something, especially in terms of, you know, when you consider Bill O'Reilly not being let go of basically until there was no other choice to be made. And the what Bill O'Reilly uh, was accused of and what came out uh, about his uh, sexual inappropriate actions with people in and out of the network is much more egregious than those text messages or anything that Tucker Carlson said. So that's definitely um, nonsense and BS in terms of why they let him go. Well, because he was a little bit disrespectful towards a woman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's that, that's that's definitely a bunch of crap. But yeah, um, but yeah I think all you got to do is look uh, look to Bill O'Reilly to know that that's that's not what it is. I told you, my very first job, fresh out of school in New York. I work with Bill O'Reilly. Okay. <laughs> oh man. I, uh, uh, bring me coffee. Bring me coffee, Sharon, in my office, which was you had to walk through a dark studio, not trip over the cables. And why is his office back here? It's very cave-like. Okay. <laughs> and then you had to be real ninja-like to get out of there. Okay. <laughs> but I don't want to get into this with you. It's not about me. Yeah, I different don't, discussion. I, wish would, discussion yeah, for I don't day. know why you asked me. This is personal, Jackson. <laughs> uh, we'll move on, but it's true. You know it's true. This next story, um, depending on your flavor, maybe you like lemon, 
maybe you like lime. I don't know. But there are people who are now standing up and they're a little bit sick of the piling on when it comes to Don Lemon. A number of people, no matter what you think about him, his reporting, whatever, he's a star and somebody's really trying to take him out, okay? Doesn't mean that everything's a lie. Somebody's trying to take him out over and over again, okay? He must matter to you. Al Sharpton, activist demanding an explanation on Don Lemon's firing. Sharpton and the National Action Network blasting a decision by CNN to oust anchor Don Lemon and are demanding the network explain the move. I have a theory. (laughs) I'll see what you think, Jackson. National Action Network said in a statement, we are completely stunned at the termination of Don Lemon, Sharpton founder and president of the National Action Network and Mark Morial, president and CEO of the National Urban League, said in a joint statement issued on Wednesday. Throughout his career, Don has been a superb journalist who was very open to the civil rights community on issues others wouldn't touch. Lemon was ousted from his anchor chair on Monday morning and has alleged he was fired without warning by CNN CEO Chris Lick. Sharpton and Morial said they want more information on how the decision to oust Lemon was made. We would like to know what he alludes to when he said there are greater things at play, which is why we urge for a full explanation as to why he was let go in such a fashion, they wrote. Then there's the potential lawsuit by Lemon. Fired CNN anchor Don Lemon is leaving the network with at least 25 million, okay? Previous reporting by The Hill, This is from page six. He has still lawyered up for a potential legal battle with his former employer. Page six has exclusively confirmed Lemon, the 51-year-old former co-host of CNN this morning, had signed a high $7 million a year contract with CNN in September that runs through 2026, sources said. Meanwhile, Lemon has hired high-powered Los Angeles entertainment attorney Brian Friedman to secure his exit and probe whether the former anchor is entitled to a further settlement. Page six is told, Friedman, co-founder of the law firm Friedman and Tettleman, or is it Tattleman? I hope that's how you pronounce it. Also representing Lemon's former CNN colleague, Chris Cuomo. Meantime, critics compare career prospects of Lemon and Tucker Carlson. Media critic Allison Butler agrees that Lemon is more of a risk adding that Carlson is likely a different case. Lemon's fumbled so many times and spoken so problematically, he will need to be rebranded before he moves back into the spotlight. Sensitivity training from February may snowball into a public self-reckoning, which may be announced via speaking engagements or a book deal, which will launch the next phase of his career, she speculates. I think this is absolutely not the last we will see or hear of either of them, but I do think We'll hear and see more from Carlson prominently sooner than we'll hear about or from Lemon. And so when I said Jackson, you're about to tick me off, it was that part, okay? Again, do you see? You see here? What's going on here? You have this Carlson who's a menace to society. He's a menace to society. Disgusting. And then you have Lemon who... He wore that tacky suit and got made fun of on late night TV, but 
okay, he said some things inappropriate about being over the hill and Nikki Haley and Prime and it is it whatever. But to compare him and to he comes with more risk. He's spoken more problematically. What the 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 same people from the last story I'm trying to tell you, okay, who live in a bubble, all think the same. And newsflash, if you're going to go to a media critic, don't use her again. But it's your turn, Jackson. Uh, yeah, I think uh, her specific critique was just off and not accurate whatsoever. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's it's just plain and simple in that regard. When it comes, it just, you know, to say like, again, like Tucker Carlson's rhetoric isn't problematic, but Don Lemon's is. To take Tucker off the table, again, I think that uh, her assessment was just uh, honestly not worth noting, to tell you the truth, because it was just so wrong. But from what I can gather from this story is... From what makes sense, at least, the only thing that makes sense about Don Lemon getting fired that doesn't seem ridiculous is apparently people don't get along with him well and his co-workers don't really enjoy working with him, which out of everything that I've seen, that would make the most sense. Like if something like that were like really a big problem um, to the point where like people are just like, look, I really we don't get along. It makes for kind of a negative environment. I, I can understand that. Um, if there's something deeper or bigger, then I, I, you know, I'm sure maybe it'll come out at some point. But about out of everything I've seen, that makes the most logical sense to fire someone who is, you know, as you pointed out, a superstar, really. Um, but uh, I don't know for sure. But yeah, I think you're on to something. But I also think that a couple of things can be true at once. Don Lemon that I knew and worked with and sat across from, okay. Maybe he didn't get along with people. Maybe I didn't either. But I'm going to tell you something. When you don't factor in the microaggressions that <laughs> I know, come on, like you got no idea. Maybe you do. It's wrong. I tend not to care whether he got along with his colleagues. I'm going to tell you something. I've worked with a lot of blowhards in this business, okay? And they're all over the tube getting these huge paychecks, okay? And it's laughed at and it's thought, well, isn't that funny? Isn't Joe, what's his face cute? And Bill, oh, that's just Bill. But when Lemon puts a little bass in his voice and tells his sidekick, that's really what she she was a sidekick. I'm sorry. Okay. Hey, don't interrupt me. I felt like he interrupted me. Suddenly it's, hey, he's screaming at her and she felt threatened. Paraphrasing. But that's really what's being done here. I think that CNN will end up giving this black man a bigger payout than his contract called for. Because if they don't, the whole house will burn down. When you're somewhere for 17 years, do you know what you know? Pretty much everything on everyone. No one will escape it, okay? Even the people who you hear nothing about will suddenly, there'll be video of them doing inappropriate things, okay? Or maybe that's just my fantasy, Jackson. I'll give you the last word. Well, no, I mean, I think, again, from that regard, what you just said uh, makes sense. Um, But what I was pointing out is out of everything I've seen, that would make the most sense, just like if you were to just look at it from the outside in, like if there was something going on behind the scenes. Um, But other than that, I can't really speak for how he makes people feel or anything along those lines. But I think it is a good point that you pointed out that 
you've been in environments where stuff like that just kind of is what it is. And people typically just deal with it to get their paychecks or they have to put up with different types of treatment. And especially if the worst that it got was like that one video of uh, Don and um, like whoever you said his sidekick was. Yes, it's it, about it, you. I can't remember the name. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, right. But um, if that's as bad as it got, then yeah, I think that it would be a reach to say that his behavior is problematic. And but, I can um, tell, and I'm gonna tell you something, Jackson. I can tell uh, before we move on here, Reverend Al, the answer that he's looking for. They were setting Don Lemon up, in my opinion, and leaking these stories and making them greater than they were, in my opinion. It doesn't mean that he wasn't, you know, had jerk behavior sometimes. They were doing it, and I give him credit for being on the air and being able to focus under this enormous pressure point microscope. But the answer to why now, Reverend Al, is because the frat boy at Fox got the boot. And then it took 45 minutes for the CNN people to call. All right, now let's go. Let's it's go time. It's just a uh, opportunity. It's just a theory. We'll bury him under tuck tuck. That's just my theory. That's just my theory. Much more indisputable to come. Jackson White, politics and paper on YouTube is our special guest co-host today. Dr. Richie has the day off. I'm trying to behave. This is indisputable. Much more to come. Welcome back to Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Jackson White is our special co-host today, our guest co-host. We welcome his commentary and we welcome yours too. So let's get a few viewer comments in here. TYT member Craig Cray Souffle. I wasn't familiar with Jerry Springer's career before his TV show, but really admire that he was always cool, calm, likable, and professional, even though he earned the title of the king of the onstage brawl fest talk show. Rest in peace. Yep, Jerry Springer died. He died today, age 79, Thursday. Daisy Dragon says, many of us, even if we thought the Jerry Springer show was a bit trashy, we would have loved to be on it. I know I would have. I was a graduate student in Chicago and you could just get free tickets. I went every week to Jerry Springer, <laughs> okay? I even got on a couple episodes, but I want people to look it up. <laughs> Ivan, Year of the Dragon. I didn't think about it until today, but Jerry Springer and Tucker Carlson are an interesting juxtaposition. They both gave people what they wanted to hear. The important distinction was whether the silly BS hurt people. I do think that's important. Jerry's show for all the trash and flash and fights, and some of it was put on. He'd admit that today. He didn't try to hurt people. He always ended the show with be kind to each other and yourself. Yeah, he did like used to right? do that, Remember didn't that? he? I forgot about I got, that. I, he he did sincere. used to do that. Yeah, I forgot, but he, you're right. We'll get it right. Uh, about Don Lemon and Sharpton, other activists, the Urban League demanding an explanation. Seth Michael Draginski says, I think Chris Lick, that's the head of CNN, got rid of Lemon because he's purging the most far left voices who dared to question the right in his attempt to rebrand CNN further right. I do think the idea that they piggybacked on Tucker's firing makes sense. Well, thank you, Seth. I think it's true as well. Uh, we'll see, more to come on that and Lemon's payouts. Should we give you one more, YouTube? 
Uh, yeah, Tucker badmouthing Fox leaders led to firing, which I say BS. Come on. Divolve says this just distracts from the implications that Murdoch knew they were broadcasting insurrection fueling content and leaned into it. That's exactly right. And now the special counsel who's investigating it all and the former president wants the Fox Dominion recordings and everything else too, and the other lawsuit recordings. Maybe that'll bolster his never ending case, but you can never be too careful when a white ex-president is accused. We'll see. Um, it's crazy though. And speaking of crazy, I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on him for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You feel free, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. It's crazy all the way around Jackson. And I couldn't help it. I started thinking about the last dragon with that high kick. Was it Leroy, Leroy Green? Like <laughs> yeah. You, right? you talking the, about the brute? I, I, the, I don't know. For the sure. flying I kick? Up. I know the reference. I know what you're talking about. This but no, she did, has though. formal training. Yeah, she hit it with all types of combos. And then and then, I, and then later she realized, like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. She's like, I got to go. That was the funniest part of the whole I video. I got to go. Like, I have to go. I got somewhere to be. Just leave, leave me alone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Get out the car, punch and kick somebody's car, and then be like, oh, just let me go. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and it's, there's here. so many guns in the country, too. Like, it's just like, oh, got to be careful. You got to be careful. And so this is what I wanted to ask you, because when I saw this, the the Karen in this tale is clearly identifiable. Okay, we know who the villain is. Okay, and that that kick is just uh, it's incredible. Uh, stunt double she could be, but I do want to caution the victims in this case. I'm not trying to die. This the the fact that she switched it up so quickly. I gotta go after. She's crazy. Why yeah. would you try to just get the license plate and stand back? You have to stand back and not confront every Karen out there. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, no, nah, and I mean, if you're going to do all that, you was getting dragged. She was uh, rollerblading, ice skating down the street with that car. If you're going to be doing that and then she didn't even hit it, it was like, dang, you're going through all that danger and you didn't even come out on the other side swinging on her. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I thought she would have been trying to beat her up, which I, I'm not saying. I, Drag her out of the car that. or something. Yeah, but that's what I was thinking. She was just trying to make get her to do the right thing. She she was getting dragged down the street uh, to try to encourage her to do the right thing. 
But no, yeah, she's definitely out of her mind. I mean, I don't know, maybe drugs, maybe mental illness or something, but she definitely don't need to be behind the wheel of a car acting like that. No, and they all needed to just take a deep breath um, and just relax and just say, think about another day here, okay? And that's what should have happened, but it didn't. And if anybody has more information on this Karen, who's out there doing what she does, they should write the show, let us know, okay? But again, I caution you to stand back. The others though, like I said, you wanna calm down in a situation like this. I know it's difficult, think on your feet, take a toke, pass it, okay? And zen, and I don't smoke, but I'm tired of why it's such a big deal. Okay, I told you about my experience in college where I would lecture my roommates and they'd say, shut up, okay? This is a problem, you're too uptight. But there are still some places where cannabis, weed, um, mm -mm, no bueno. U.S. track star stripped of a national title over weed, okay? U.S. long jumper Tara Davis Woodall has been stripped of her recent national indoor title and hit with a one month suspension after a positive test for cannabis. U.S. anti-doping agency, USADA, announced it. She was disqualified from all competitive results obtained on and subsequent to February 17th, including forfeiture of any medals, points, and prizes. Does she get to keep the weed? Despite having no performance enhancing benefits, cannabis is banned in World Anti-Doping Agency. Cannabis, marijuana, hashish, considered prohibited substances under World Anti-Doping Agency WADA rules. USADA said Davis Woodall tested positive for THC, a chemical found in cannabis, marijuana, and hashish. Her positive test was from the result of a sample collected in competition at the 2023 USA Track and Field Indoor Championships in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That was on February 17th, the same day she had won the title with a jump of 6.99 meters. Davis Woodall, age 23, has already completed her suspension, which she began serving on March 21st. In 2021, you might remember US sprinter Shikari Richardson had initially booked her spot at the Tokyo Olympics with a runaway victory in the women's 100 meters at the US Olympic track and field trials in Eugene, Oregon, only to have her title stripped after testing positive for marijuana. Richardson was suspended for a month. USA Track and Field opted not to select her as part of the women's four by 100 meter relay pool after her suspension ended, keeping Richardson off the Olympic team. However, and there's always a however, isn't there? Winter Olympics that followed that year, Russian figure skater, Kamila Valieva tested positive for performance enhancing drugs and was still allowed to compete in the Olympics. Hmm. Hmm. Rules are rules is what they'll they'll tell us, um, Jackson. But what do you make of, I guess, the treatment across the board here? And I know we're talking about different jurisdictions and the Russians and the Americans, but you know, again, Shakari Richardson, US team chose to and she just suffered, a, you know, there was a death in her family, right? They chose to keep her 
out of the games, even though she had served the suspension already. And now we have Ms. Woodall. What do you make of all of it? I think instances like this show that people have discretion um, when they're in positions of power and that they can make decisions uh, that make sense. Um, on the one hand, you did point out that there are different jurisdictions, different countries, but uh, a real performance enhancing drug is totally different than something like cannabis, which absolutely doesn't assist in one's ability to perform athletic feats. Um, you know, a lot of the stigmatization behind that is obviously from the past in terms of like how smoking marijuana can affect your behavior or affect your dedication and commitment to things. So that got looped into everything. Um, but it's really unfortunate when uh, these types of instances happen um, to anybody, especially when it has to do with cannabis, because we've made so many leaps forward and so many steps forward in terms of legalization and the positive impact that that's had in terms of, um, you know, just obviously tax dollars that the government can make, making it less likely for people to be imprisoned off something that's now recreationally legal more and more in different types of states, the street value of it plummeting, more and more people getting it legally, and just the general acceptance and understanding that it's really not harmful. And it certainly absolutely does not make one able to run faster or jump higher or have more endurance. Um, so the rest of the world, you know, municipalities, agencies, commissions really need to catch up to where we are with cannabis now and where it's going. But again, yeah. I think above anything else, people in positions of power have the discretion to make decisions that make sense. Yeah. Uh, plain and simple. I think you're exactly right. Your commentary is spot on because this is not a performance enhancing drug. It's banned, but it doesn't make you run faster. It makes you you want to eat Cool Ranch Doritos. And not do nothing. <laughs> okay, right. And just watch TV. Take mm -hmm. a nap after a bit and then get up and smoke some more. That's what it makes you do. Doesn't make you break a record. Uh, much more to come on Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie. I'm Sharon Reed filling in while the doctor's away. Welcome back to Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, uh, Jackson White, Rebel HQ extraordinaire, YouTube, politics and paper. You want to check that out. Uh, joins us as our special guest host today. Love, love, love having you on, Jackson. Always uh, let's good get to, be to on. Yeah. Let's get to some of the viewer comments. Um, TYT member Lynn had this to say about the U.S. track star who has been stripped of her national title because of weed. She tested positive. Weed is not a performance-enhancing drug and track unless the participant is running toward a Taco Bell. Well, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, Lynn. You're right because you, I, I've never, it's never happened, and maybe I need to verify it for myself. But I heard you're very hungry. Uh, eclectic, miscellaneous. If they're suspending people for weed, why not suspend people for tobacco, which is considered much worse for your health? or maybe try not banning either, since they're not performance-enhancing drugs. About that, Karen, YouTube member here, sums it up beautifully. Savage Bear says, on camera vandalizing a car. That, period, <laughs> okay? That's what we saw, all right? That's what we saw. Now let's take a look um, and turn our attention back to Hollywood. I think we have to, because here we go again. Critics are gushing about Flash, film downplaying 
Miller's actions. Hmm. Unfinished cut of the eagerly anticipated DC superhero film, The Flash, premiered at CinemaCon Tuesday night before a packed house of theater owners, studio executives, journalists. Miller's legal issues, including arrests in Hawaii last year for disorderly conduct and suspicion of assault, burglary charge in Vermont, accusations of teenage grooming, not addressed by Warner Brothers CinemaCon presentation. Nah, Ezra Miller, nothing to see here. Here are the headlines following the advanced viewing of the film. You see it here. Flash runs away with rave reviews at CinemaCon. Okay. No mention of the grooming or anything. Flash earns early raves at CinemaCon. Will the DCU's big gamble pay off? Instead of the big gamble is Ezra Miller. Okay. First reactions of the Flash from CinemaCon among the best superhero films ever. So nobody's talking about pulling this from theaters, right? Am I going to get to those headlines next or they're not? There are no headlines about that, huh? Okay. Editor-in-chief of the film of SightCollider.com, Stephen Weintraub tweeted this about the film. Flash is fantastic. I know Ezra Miller has made a lot of mistakes, but they are so good in this movie. Loved Keaton, the action, humor, and emotion. Andy Machete has crafted something special. Thumbs way up. Warner Brothers didn't show the after the credit scenes. Now compare that reaction to how he reacted to the Will Smith Oscar slap. Had no idea Will Smith was asked to leave Oscars after assaulting Chris Rock and he refused to go. He absolutely needs to be severely punished by the Academy for what he did and what he refused to do. Since the Academy messes up every decision, I'm assuming they will screw this up. When huh, a user online replied to that tweet, but here's how he responded. Okay, you see Everton Carter, everyone loves Will Smith, but the second he makes one mistake, people can't wait to dangerous, angry black man him, shameful. Steve Weintraub says, this isn't some small mistake, dude, okay? I added the dude okay part, but I know that's what was in his head, okay? Do you not know who this guy is, okay? Fans online have made comparison between Majors and Miller. Hmm, you mean Jonathan Majors, who the Manhattan DA is looking at? About something that went down in that vehicle? It was on top of the world? The way the hammer came down extra swift on Jonathan Majors, but Ezra Miller is still headlining this? Don't get me wrong here. Jay Majors brought his fate on himself. Ezra Miller should have gotten the same treatment last summer when they were on their crime spree. I mean, it's what you call it, it's a crime spree, no? Discussing film says, Peter Safran says, Ezra Miller gives an amazing performance in The Flash with Andy Machete adding that they are one of the best actors they have worked with. Hashtag CinemaCon. Hmm. And Nicholas Hunt Walker goes on to say, Ezra Miller was sheltered for half a year so they could get this movie out. Well, Jonathan Majors was immediately left out to dry despite co-starring in Creed 3. 
and having been set up to be the major antagonist in a host of Marvel properties. Miller needs to be brought down. Just what they're saying. Kiki. Jonathan Majors lost everything, and rightly, if the law proves that he's guilty of the allegations of abuse. But not Ezra Miller, who assaulted people, kidnapped and drugged minors, and started a cult. Ezra is forgiven because he's white. Sounds about America. Jimmy Felino, who day? Ezra Miller assaults multiple people, arrested multiple times, makes plea deals to stay out of jail. Y'all, wait until all the news drops. Don't jump to conclusions. Jonathan Majors, multiple allegations comes out, no arrest, drop from movies, PR, and agents. Okay, do you see what's going on here? Do, do, what, like that commercial, right? We all see it, but not everybody sees it. I'm going to get you in here, Jackson, but I got to say this. Because there's other people out there who are saying the comparisons, it's false, false to make. Ezra Miller has no new projects coming up. Jonathan Majors was confirmed to have assaulted his girlfriend via text. I don't like either of them, but keep that in mind, Captain Raccoon Whitley says. Okay. And with a handle like that, I need you to make this make sense because I, if Jonathan Majors Jackson did what is alleged, and I'm not sure everything that was alleged, okay? There's some kind of attack, assault, something in that vehicle, and yeah. And then everybody dumped him, okay? I don't think there's been an arrest. Everyone dumped him. His agents, PR, movies, okay? They demoted his stars on Uber. He can't friend anybody, okay? No one wants to be around him, okay? And then there's this other guy who is like a clickbait. His name should be Clickbait Miller because his behavior is so outlandish that we find ourselves saying, is this real or is this part of a skit? No, it's real. You make it make sense, please, Jackson. Well, I mean, in terms of people's response, it's just, uh, you know, general American culture in terms of who's looked at as um, more dangerous versus not. Um, you know, and as was pointed out by everybody, who everyone who pointed out the disparity also was sure to say, I mean, look, if Jonathan Majors did what he did, then he's going to have to face the repercussions for that, especially after the text thread that his lawyer put out. It really ain't looking so hot for him. But... For him to just be on the chopping block so quickly and then Ezra Miller, um, it seems like they're kind of just like, well, you know, let's just kind of try to make as much money as we can with this movie and then see where we're at at the end of it. Mm -hmm. But Ezra Miller, I remember, I mean, you know, like we were talking about before we uh, came back from break. I remember I, when I first heard about the stuff Ezra Miller was doing, I was doing double and triple takes like, what is wrong with this? Like breaking into people's homes in Vermont, you know, even though like a superstar and in a bunch of movies mm -hmm. that people are very enamored with um you know so it's just uh the a cultural difference but i don't think he's necessarily going to have a lot of luck moving forward especially now that people are you know looking at the disparity and, and getting a lot of uh roles but if he does then people absolutely aren't going to let that go nor should they
No, but I just wonder what takes so long. I don't think that people who are pointing out the disparity are, are standing up and saying that a black man who's done wrong shouldn't face some consequence. But they are saying this is crazy disproportionate, right? Yeah, everybody. I mean, as, yeah, it's like <laughs> Ezra Miller wasn't breaking in to places in Vermont looking for syrup. This is some very, very serious stuff, okay? And the fact that everyone's just said, and then Weintraub, the critic, Will Smith is the severely <laughs> How dare he? This is just outlandish. Yeah. And then this, I know he's made some mistakes, but come on, guys. You're really? Right. right. You just stop. Now you better stop at Weintraub, okay? Just America, look at your life. Look at your life, America. And I'm not going anywhere. It's my country too, but I'm just saying we all need to look at your life. Black writer sues WWE for racism and discrimination. The headline alone, there doesn't even need to be a trial, a jury or anything. <laughs> Guilty, okay, come on, come on, really? Is it, it is, come on. Former WWE writer filed a lawsuit in federal court naming WWE Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Kevin Dunn, Ryan Callahan, and other executives as defendants. Brittany Abrahams, black woman, said she was fired by WWE last year in retaliation for pushing back against racism, as well as racist and stereotypical pitches in the writer's room, according to court documents. Okay. Abrahams claims within First two weeks of employment with WWE, she shadowed Kevin Dunn on the right there, who wrote a backstage scene for wrestler Bianca Belair on the left. A line written for Bianca Belair stating, uh-oh, don't make me take off my earrings and beat your ass. Abrahams also claims that Belair herself was uncomfortable with the line and repeatedly said that she didn't want to say it, okay? Hmm. In conversation with Ms. Belair the following day, informed Abrahams that she told Kevin Dunn three different times that I don't want to say that line, but he never listens to me. He puts that line in every week. Ms. Belair said the script's discriminatory lines made her look ghetto, that's a quote. Abraham would shortly be reassigned to shadow Ryan Callahan. Maybe it'll get better. Nope. Lawsuit also claims that Ryan Callahan on the right pitched a backstory for Saudi Arabian born wrestler Mansoor on the left, having secretly orchestrated the attacks of September 11, 2001. For real. It's ignorant, not even creative. It also alleged that Callahan pitched a hunting gimmick for wrestler Shane Thorne. Who would hunt down wrestler Reggie for fun? When Abraham's objected to a gimmick where a white man hunting a black African-American man for sport is racist, Callahan laughed and sarcastically responded, oh, what, is that a bad thing? There was also a pitch of Reggie dressing in drag. Lawsuit claims Nigerian born wrestler Apollo Cruz forced to speak with an over-the-top Nigerian accent. Abrahams brought up concerns about the storyline to Callahan, but her complaint allegedly falling 
on deaf ears. Vince and Stephanie McMahon were apparently CC'd on these email complaints along with other executives. Abrams alleges she and another black writer were discriminated against because of their criticisms of those ideas and lines. Termination from the company. Abrahams claims she was fired by WWE in 2022 because she took home a commemorative chair from WrestleMania 38 in Dallas, even though that was an open practice among WWE employees. And she witnessed white employees doing the very same thing without punishment. Okay. Hmm. Well, Jackson, I'll start from there. Okay. We, I think we know what it is, but her grandma would have told her, okay. You can't do what they do, okay, and expect to get away with it. But this whole thing is not shocking. Are any of these allegations shocking to you? No, I mean, um, yeah, I can only imagine the amount of lawsuits that are available to be filed or that have been, you know, uh, swept under the rug or quietly filed and won against an organization like the WWE, who basically, you know, uh, being provocative and edgy is what they do. Um, And given that that's their culture and that's what they profit from, they're going to lean into that as much as they can. So again, let alone these lawsuits, I can only imagine all the issues that people who have worked with them have faced over the years. And, you know, especially when it comes to Vince McMahon, I mean, like one of the most notable things that he's ever done or that he's most uh, known for is wearing a do-rag and saying the N-word, you know, like live in one of the the WWE segments. That's, you know, when people think of him, that's that's what they think of. So, again, no, this absolutely is not surprising whatsoever. Um, And. you know, I'm sure this is just a couple lawsuits among literally hundreds sure. that, that that have been filed against them. And you have to think of it this way, that the event that you speak of with Vince McMahon, it's just disgusting. But nobody got in your ear and said, mm, I don't want to do that. Right. Because that's how pervasive this stuff apparently might be. And for Bianca Belair, I don't know if she's going to get much airtime now that they know everything she allegedly said. But I want to ask you this. I'll give you the last word. John Cena, right? Just another white superstar propped up by this company. And that's really how it goes, right? You win in the ring and then you begin to cross over and do beautiful things. If you look a certain way and you're given certain storylines, when you're the villain and speaking with a thicker accent than you're natively supposed to, I don't know if those parts are coming your way or the riches that go with them. It's a hard life, glamorous, okay, visible, sure, but it's a hard life of travel and not as much money as people think, unless, unless you're you doing the, the, yeah, exactly. You're, you're hawking trash bags and dancing about one of the companies that checks our credit, okay? And in all those movies. And, you know, um, just in terms of, uh, well, I think one of the most egregious things about this story was a 9-11 enactment and then making the Nigerian guy speak with a thicker accent. But uh, the 9-11 reenactment, especially because of the type of negative attention that that could draw to you for carrying it out. You know what I'm saying? And and how people will look at you for doing things like that. They're actually putting these people in danger. 
um, especially when it comes to that and just kind of making a clown of yourself, which again is a lot of what the WWE is. It's a big clown show at the end of the day. Um, but two, your employees are human beings. And especially if they voice concern over something that they wouldn't like to do it, there's a million other acts, there's a million other approaches that can be taken. So this is just a general uh, work issue uh, that isn't acceptable. Yeah, I think you're right. And and sometimes it has to be boiled down to something simple, what you just said. This is a, a work issue that is unacceptable and must be dealt with. And the way they dealt with it was when she complained, rightfully so, they passed her along to the next guy who wasn't milder. It was worse, right? 9 11 mm -hmm. is gross. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I said, there doesn't need to be a trial. Is that we declare it happened? At least I do. Okay. It's too believable. Much more indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie. I'm Sharon Reed filling in for the doctor. Much more to come. Welcome back to Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie. I'm Sharon Reed in for the good doctor today. Jackson White is our co-host. Um, let's get you some more viewer comments if we can. A lot of people have something to say about, uh, well, the disparity, the, the mistreatment, if you really will, unequal treatment, I'll call it. Critics gushing about the Flash film downplaying Ezra Miller's actions, but then you have Jonathan Majors. Uh, let's see, new name says, okay, so we know that certain people are held to completely different standards, fix it. Uh, and then Chief just jumps right in and says, and I don't know, I mean, he got to have the reaction you did, uh, Jackson. Ezra Miller needs to be in jail. Now, <laughs> yeah. this, a lot has gone down is what the comment is about. And so, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. We do want to move on to a political story, if you will, but it's one about hate and targeting. And finally, something is being done here. It's out of New Jersey. And um, it had to get pretty serious before action was taken here. A man finally sent to jail for harassment of black councilwoman. New Jersey man Adam Valvo was sentenced to six months in jail on April 21st after pleading guilty to harassing and sending racist emails to the government email of Councilwoman Adina Brown, who is coincidentally the only black council member in her township of Old Bridge, New Jersey. Email messages reportedly contain profanity, continuous use of the N-word and other racist comments regarding black people who live in Newark, Trenton, Patterson. Valvo was charged with two counts of bias intimidation and one count of harassment following an investigation of emails that he sent to Brown March 7, 2021. He reportedly was arrested 20 days later. An email from Valvo reportedly said that he didn't know how Brown was elected in a Republican township and that he wanted to do everything in my power to get your N.A. out of here, according to NJ.com. Brown said she didn't know who sent the email because the subject line read John Smith. She forwarded the email to Old Bridge Mayor Henry, Owen Henry rather, and Old Bridge Police. This is from Atlanta Black Star, the details. Brown won the 2018 election for town council but chose not to run for re-election in 2021. She's a founding cabinet member of Emerge New Jersey, whose mission is to increase the number of Democratic women leaders from diverse backgrounds in public office through recruitment, training, and providing a powerful network. Town of Old Bridge 
has a reported black population of 7% in a town with 67,000 residents, according to the 2021 U.S. Census report estimate. The report also states that about 67% are white, while Hispanics and Asians make up 15% of the town's population. So arrested, jailed, but it took a lot to get there. I have to be honest with you, Jackson, some of these emails are vile as they are, but I got those every day as a news anchor. People just, just got a lot of courage to call you out your name. Your reaction? Um, well, I think what you pointed out is depending on what position when uh, certain things just come with it. But at the end of the day, um, you take a risk. A number one, it's wrong to harass people, obviously, but you do take a risk in doing it, especially when you leave evidence. And especially if it's a public official, uh, there may be repercussions for it. So it's just an overall stupid thing to do. And um, he got in trouble for it. And, you know, it's the bet he made for himself. So, I mean, that's just that's just kind of what it is. This man went around spewing nothing but bad energy all over the place and it came back to bite him. Yeah, and I think that when people are as stupid as this this perp is, it's very helpful. And we're very grateful for their stupidity because he actually thought that just because he wrote John Smith and that, that, <laughs> that's the, that would be the end of the story. They won't be able to find him because he said right. his name is John Smith. <laughs> they right? won't be able to trace it. Right. <laughs> and so thank goodness that it's like, you know, the great balancing act of the universe that, you know, stupid is, a stupid does. And there's a lot of people who are stupid get away with things. But eventually that kind of evens out, we hope. Um, but that's a shame because I think that it drives a lot of people away and it's not easy to be a seven percenter, and particularly in a town like this, and then want to lead, to step forward, to lead and to yeah. recruit other people of color to lead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're going to be in a position like that, that's one of the things, unfortunately, that you're going to have to deal with. And, um, you know, I'm sure she had a variety of reasons to step down. Life is full of all types of different things to commit to and that you want to pursue. But, um, you know, that just really bears into mind that people who um, lead the way, whether it be to make progress on any type of issues or just to stand up for what's right, uh, they go through a lot. You know, they go through a lot of harassment. They go through a lot of abuse. And, um, you know, it's there's a reason why the bravest and the strongest of us are the ones who stand up. So, yeah. 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 Um, I want to get to this next story because it's one of the strangest ones that I've encountered. And maybe it's just because it's not adding up to me. OK, it's like when you go in the grocery store, and you see those tabloids that talk about like that an alien baby. And, you know, and then they, it shows a picture that's not Halle Berry's baby. Stop. OK, it's stop. But this apparently is real. We verified it. Okay. And there's so much detail here. The Fuji's rapper. Pros. Guilty for being a pawn for China. It's like it could be a song. Grammy Award winning artist and former member of the Fuji's. Pros. Found guilty in federal court on Wednesday of 10 counts related to a failed conspiracy to help Malaysian businessman Joe Lowe and the Chinese government gain access to U.S. officials, including former presidents Barack Obama and Donald Trump. The week's long trial saw witnesses like Leonardo DiCaprio, former Attorney General Jeff Sessions, take the stand. Whew. Wow. 
Pross was found guilty of conspiracy to defraud the U.S. witness tampering and acting as an unregistered agent of a foreign government. Faces up to 20 years in prison. No sentencing date was set. His attorney, David Kenner, expressed disappointment about the verdicts, but said he's confident that his mistrial motions will work out in their favor. Ross testified last week that Lowe paid $20 million in 2012 in order to get a picture of himself with Barack Obama, former president. Prosecutors allege the Pross funneled over 800,000 of that money to then President Obama's campaign through a number of straw donors. In his defense, he testified he never used the money at Lowe's direction, but instead saw it as his money, which he could spend however he wanted. There's more. When Trump came to power in 2017 and investigations started to ramp up into Lowe, his alleged role in billions of dollars being embezzled, the Malaysian Sovereign Wealth Fund, 1MBD, Lowe went to Pross again, prosecutors allege. According to the prosecutors, Lowe directed over 100 million to Pross to help push the government, including Trump, to drop its investigation into Lowe. Prosecutors also say Pross advocated for the extradition of a Chinese dissident, Wao Wengyi, on behalf of the Chinese government. Pross, however, testified he only tried to help Lowe find an attorney in the U.S. and only told authorities about Guo because he thought he was a criminal. Former Fuji's member also said the 100 million, 100 million, was a media business he was starting and the investment wasn't from Lowe. Lowe, who was charged along with Pross, believed to be in China, Wow has since been arrested and charged by the Justice Department with defrauding investors in an unrelated case. What the what? <laughs> I think this is a terrible misunderstanding, but then I might be naive, Jackson. I believe Proz, who is a prominent black artist, had been to the White House and probably campaigned for then-President Barack Obama during his re-election campaign. He knew some people. Said, sure, I, I don't know. You want to be Usher? Okay. I don't know. I don't know why I'm bringing Usher into this. Okay, he's in Vegas doing his residency. But I, I see this whole thing as a misunderstanding. I can't explain the $100 million price tag, but I think we've got to just walk some of this back, but it appears to be too late, Jackson. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not really that willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> because I don't, I, don't, I don't know how you get caught up in something like this accidentally. You know what I'm saying? Like, because this is stuff that the espionage is something that any government in anywhere in the world will take very seriously. And, you know, taking a lot of money from especially China, which is the United States biggest competitor, just getting into a situation like this accidentally, just one, it doesn't seem likely. Um, And two, it's honestly, it's pretty stupid. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, let's just keep it 100. Like, espionage against your country or doing anything similar to it is just dumb. So I, I don't really have any personal feelings for him. So from my view, I think he just did a dumb thing and got caught. So after all this time together, Jackson, you want to be the voice of reason. Okay. <laughs> all right. That's fine. 
Okay, but I'll, I'll leave you with this on that one. Where's Rudy Giuliani, agent of the, okay? But Frost <laughs> already, he's done, okay? And by the way, his attorney's wrong. I don't see the motions. Mistrial is not gonna work. Yeah. But Rudy's still out there with the stuff dripping down the side of his face. But never mind that. <laughs> with the brain juice coming out his ears. Right. And nobody <laughs> said, yo, tapped him on the shoulder. But okay. Uh, now this story. Meta, Facebook, cancels the red table talk. It was so juicy, so messy. It's gone. For now, <laughs> it's gone. It wasn't that messy. Yeah, it's I mean, incredibly it, messy. The messiest hello. show ever. It's the messiest show ever. Your husband is <laughs> the most un- therapy. And, and it's not just messy. It's unnecessarily messy. It's like, why are y'all doing this? But that's that why people part. watched it. That part. Yeah, that's Nobody why people watched it. Did it better. Okay. <laughs> then Jada Pinkett Smith. It's gone. Amid broad cost cutting moves. Really, they gotta cut cost at meta. <laughs> yeah, they're doing it. Canceling their small slate of original shows, including the breakout hit Red Table Talk. The Emmy award-winning talk show was hosted by Generational Trio. Jada Pinkett Smith, Willow Smith, and Adrian Gammy, Banfield Norris. Meta representative confirmed that the company is shuttering its originals group, but declined to provide further comment. Facebook Watch's originals started out with a mix of scripted and unscripted shows, but the company shifted entirely to unscripted fare in recent years. The current shows include Red Table Talk and Steve Harvey talk show, Steve on Watch, a revival of his daytime show after it was dropped by NBC. Red Table Talk series is produced by Westbrook Studios, co-founded by Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith. The company is said to be looking for a new distributor now. The Facebook Watch deal is done. Amassing 11 million followers on Facebook and spawning an active Facebook discussion group with 600,000 members. Westbrook also produced spinoff Red Table Talk, The Estefans, featuring Gloria Stefan, her daughter Emily, and her niece, Lily. Along with the shutdown comes news that Mina Lafer, head of development and programming of the group, is departing Facebook's parent company as well. Meta's exit from original entertainment biz comes after other tech companies have similarly Retreated, Snapchat shuttered its originals group last summer as part of a broader cost-cutting move, while YouTube folded most of its original productions while maintaining a slate of kids' content and programming from its Black Voices Fun. Red Table Talk will be back in 10 minutes, okay? I don't even know if they'll get a summer hiatus. Where? Well, we'll find out, Jackson. What do you think as we close out today, this means about this, the broader landscape, because this was a fun Wild West kind of period for a while here. Well, like you pointed out, um, it'll be back somewhere for sure. And the simple reason is because a lot of people watch it and it's it's really not more complicated than that. So whether Facebook uh, wants that money or somebody else wants it, um, they will continue, especially now because everybody's going to want to see well, you know, now that the fallout and the dust is settled from the slap and, you know what I'm saying, Chris Rock has put out a special and, we, you know, what, what's up with life? We want to hear him talk about it because, you know, like like you pointed out, that was a show people watched because it was like, Yo, I would never say this publicly, but I'll watch it, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's just crazy, too, like just in 
in regards to uh, Meta, like just how much market share that company really has, because they're just like laying off tens of thousands of people, many of whom they never needed to hire in the first place. Like they like they would hire people who literally would get paid six figure salaries to kind of just sit around and do nothing, which is I, I wouldn't complain about that. Me neither. That, that'd be pretty sweet. But yeah, they just kind of hoarded the job market just in case they needed people. And now they're just getting rid of this and rid of that. But, you know, Mark Zuckerberg basically is the dictator of the company. So he's not going anywhere. He's just going to keep doing what he wants. Yeah, even if they call him back up to Capitol Hill and hold these these goofy hearings where he really doesn't say anything, he doesn't care. Okay, He's not going to change his business model. And they're not going to break it up, break it up, antitrust, whatever. Jackson, always a pleasure. Tell people where they can find you and your incredible content. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can catch me on Rebel HQ every day. You can also catch my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at politics and paper. Getting ready to do a whole lot more editorial and narrative content on there, but I stream all the time. It's a good time. Check me out, youtube.com slash at politics and paper. But it's definitely yeah. always fun being on here with you, Sharon. I'm looking forward to the next time. I love it. Except when you try to be the voice of reason. Then you uh, uh, only then. It was an accident, okay? <laughs> and I, I see it clearly. Uh, but we love you. You're like the coolest guy out there doing commentary. And I look forward to the next time. For now, this is Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie. I'm Sharon Reed filling in for The Good Doctor today. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to Indisputable. I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today. But what do we do on this show? We tell the truth. You know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here. Congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. Here's the pattern that we see in all of these Karen stories. They think they own stuff they do not own. Now, where does that come from? I don't know, maybe slavery. Maybe they think they should still own black people. This is what happens when Karens weaponize the police. When you're used to privilege, equality seems like oppression. It hits you in a certain way when someone is holding you against your will, treating you like you're a criminal and you're an innocent person. This is something that black people face no matter where they are. A stronger black economy lends itself to a stronger, greater economy. Don't think it's exclusive of you, it's inclusive of you. What's your beef with critical race theory? It adds more fuel to the fire of the racist tendencies that we already have. We have a generation of problem solvers that can remedy the problem if they are properly taught what the problem is. You know who created redlining in this country? Mm-hmm. The white liberal. I, I, don't, I don't give a damn who created it. If it's a racist policy, racist policy. Shelly, here's what I don't know. I don't know. See, there you go filibustering, brother. You're scared of this truth, but you're going to get it, though.